Hello, Gunfu Fighter. <laughs> What's up, buddy? Hey. So, Gunfu Fighter's on the podcast. Mason is in the house. What's up, guys? We're actually in the skill set house, uniquely. Skill set studio? I keep using uniquely. I don't know where the, where the fuck know. did I come from. This is not unique. This is unique. Well... Well, what's unique about it is I got a microphone in front of me, and I got a guy from Skillset who's managing audio. You're not on the shitter either. I'm not on the shitter. You're not next to me in the shitter, in the fetal. That was an awkward day. Yeah, that was weird. But um, this, this actually, we're sponsored now, which is a big deal. It's huge. It's a huge deal, which means we just get paid more. It's the opposite of no big deal. Yeah, it's the opposite of no big deal, which is a big deal, I think. So we're sponsored. This podcast is sponsored by Skillset Magazine. Mm-hmm. What's crazy is uh, Skillset Magazine, one of the guys who runs Skillset Magazine, is actually a former free fall instructor of mine. And the last time I saw his face was when he was flying in front of me like a bird, <laughs> documenting my cartwheels to this guy. What's <laughs> <laughs> funny is you've seen the video. I've actually posted it before. Yeah, yep. It's like I geek out on the camera. I'm like, I'm a badass. And then I jump out my first jump and then do backflips through the sky, and they have to rescue me. He's one of those guys who rescued me. Um, but Skillset Magazine is actually a lifestyle magazine. It's an alpha lifestyle magazine. You know, if you, you read magazines, which most of our listeners do, you pick up a gun magazine. It's got the same shit. Yeah. One in 10 twist, 500 meters. This is the new sexy gun with the new sexy ammo. Mm-hmm. I'm over it. Not interesting. Not interested. <laughs> Not interesting at all. And what I'm interested in is actual good content yeah. with badass pictures. The man who runs... Skillset Magazine is the master of badass pictures. If you see every cover of Skillset Magazine, those are those guys' work, man. It's it's beautiful. It's art. It's a piece of art, but also the content is amazing. Everything from guns, MMA, overlanding, everything you could think of. I'm actually interested a lot. Check those guys out. Skillsetmag.com. If you haven't subscribed, subscribe. If you haven't checked their, their podcast out, check their podcast out. Yeah. Um, we actually, one of our, our guests today is is on the cover of the most recent magazine. But I'm not going to spoil that. I'll just let it go into what it is. <laughs> you guys figure it out because you're going to read the magazine and pick it up. Also, this uh, podcast is sponsored by Juby. J-U-B-I. Juby is a energy drink that is, uh, I wouldn't call it an energy drink, nah. energy shot. Let's call it an energy shot. Um, I don't even know if you can call it that. It's not really an energy thing. It's, it's- an energy innovator awesome happiness in a bottle it is happiness in a bottle it actually says taking the happy which i love juby the first time i got introduced to juby was on the flat range and typically i chug other energy drinks and uh mason you were uh, skeptical until you i was skeptical through it i was skeptical until i took it and then 10 minutes later i was like shooting the best i've ever shot in my life and i was communicating better at least from my perspective better than anybody else in the room. Um, but Juby, if you try Juby.com, it's a it's a focused energy drink that includes some great stuff that helps with stress and mood. My favorite is a tropical punch. Um, but, discount um, code. Yeah, there's a discount code for the tribe. But the tribe is anybody who's listening. If you're a listener, yeah. you're part of the tribe. Yeah. If you use the coupon code tribe at tryjuby.com, then you get 15% off, which yep. is a big fucking deal. Awesome. Big deal. This podcast is also sponsored by Cool. Not the C-O-O-L type, the K-U-H-L type, which is also C-O-O-L. Yeah. 
You, you like cool. I'm actually wearing fucking a cool <laughs> jumpsuit right now. I, you just got that out of the bag. Like, you dude, even, I lit, it's got a like, tag on it's it. Not even, it's not even washed. They didn't give this to me, though. I bought an REI. <laughs> so. at, first, at first, I saw it, and I was like, man, did he take that to the dry cleaner, and they just <laughs> fucked it up? Because <laughs> that thing's got creases in all the wrong places. Oh, fuck. Uh, you know I'm half Korean, so I, I take that as a joke. Um, So if you uh, guys aren't wearing cool, me and – you know, every single person who's cool, COO type, wears cool. But I, I actually wear cool because it's fucking rugged wear. It's fucking cool. For a rugged dude. We're rugged dudes. Are we trying to break the record of times we've said cool? We are. From the last time. <laughs> we, we are. From the last ad spot you 37. That's 37. <laughs> Cool.com, K-U-H-L. If you're buying it online and you want to get free shipping because we hook our listeners up, F-C-S-H, free ship. So that's Foxtrot, Charlie, Sierra, Hotel, freeship.com. And you guys can get free shipping from cool.com. Look, cool clothing. I've been wearing it since I, when I was a contractor, when I was a, a special forces guy. That's what I wear because it's civilian clothes that's built for rugged terrain. Yep, it's good stuff. You're wearing Hanes, so well, that's not cool. That's well, not cool. <laughs> that's what, 42? That's 42. <laughs> I can't do math. So. All right, guys. So looking forward to this podcast. It's going to be a great one. Yep. So today, uh, I have the unique privilege of being in a skill set studio, which is legit. Oh, very legit. That's gun food, by the way. What's up, guys? <laughs> What's up, guys? What's up? What's up? So today, not only are we in the skill set studio, which is an advancement of recording on my iPhone X, which is a big upgrade, because I could f- record those on the shitter uh, in my living room, in cars, which are all places that I've actually recorded a podcast. <laughs> Um, but I actually, uh, for the first time, we're able to bring in guests. And Gun Food Mason uh, has a, a good friend that, you know, 100% is one of the most legit fighters that I know that Mason knows. He is the current Bellator light heavyweight champion of the world. No big deal. <laughs> ASU collegiate All-American, 2008 UFC ultimate fighting champion, um, pretty significant and substantial resume, especially in the field of what we talk about, which is survival, Mr. Ryan Bader. Thanks for being on the podcast. Man, you're man. making me blush. Thank you. Dude, it's a big deal, Ryan. It's I a appreciate big deal. It. Thanks Thank for you. being here, man. Oh, thanks for having me. No, I'm excited. You know, uh, you know, my whole athletic career, you know, and then I come in to wrestle at ASU. I've known Mason from when? Probably 2011, 10? Yeah. Power we, yeah, we've rolled around countless hours on the on the mats, you know, trying to strangle each other, and uh, you form like you know form a uh, a good bond um, with those people that you're trying to uh, um, take out and murder. and murder on the mats, and and so uh, it, it's a good uh, uh, you know a, a great friendship and just uh, people around you, and so yeah, I'm glad to be here. It's like the brotherhood, man. It's the brotherhood that we always talk about. This tribe uh, mentality we talk about. And that's the best way to bridge that gap is full contact sports. No big deal. I think I think the first time we ever actually rolled in a gi together, you tried to choke me with my belt. Yeah, you got to. And was you, it, you was it a white it belt? And you were Bader, so I was like, He's probably blue. I'm not gonna. I'm not, <laughs> not going to correct you. Like he was a white belt, I was a blue belt. But yeah. Like, All right. Yeah. I'm tap out to a choke because you 
choke me with my own belt. Which is we we don't do much gi, right? No. So we do all no gi. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, there's a belt there. So I wrapped it around his neck, and he's like, eh, I don't think that's legal. Yeah, and whatever. Mason is not a small dude. I mean, no, Mason's no. a big boy. Yeah. 6'2", 220. Yeah. And he moves well for like a 50-year-old, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. No big deal. <laughs> 50-year-old joints. <laughs> so, Ryan, uh, thanks for being on the podcast, man. Mm-hmm. Thanks for coming out. And, you know, our podcast is different in the fact that we – you know, you have a, a a hell of a resume when it comes to fighting. And I want to highlight some of those points because I mm-hmm. think it bridges that gap of talking about survival, talking about mindset, because to be in the industry that you're in, to be in the sport that you're in, requires resiliency, uh, uh, discipline, all the things that lead up to, to greatness, which, you know, you're sitting on top of your game right now. Congratulations on your recent Thank win. You. Um, you know, you started off fighting – well, you started off wrestling with for ASU. What take us through the the you know the the story of going from wrestling to the defining moment where you decided to be on the 2008 season of Ultimate Fighting Championship, and then where you secure that is that what what bridge that gap? What what got you to that point where you're like, I want to be, a, I want to attempt to be the best. Yeah, I think you got to go way way back. I think you have to go back to when I was seven years old. Nice, you know, and if if you. Uh, uh, if you want the you know the full story, you know, I'm from Reno, Nevada. Yeah, you know we I, I grew up uh, grew up in the mountains outside of Reno, and uh, we were always outdoorsy. Um, my dad owned a construction business, and so I was, and he was he couldn't he could never sit on the couch on a weekend. He was always doing something. If the house looked perfect, we'd reside the whole house, you know. And uh, I'd work the summers construction with him, and then um, um, I started getting into wrestling when I was seven years old. Football. And then I think uh, when I was around 10 years old, I really started to dive into wrestling and, and wrestle full-time while playing baseball and football. But we would go to California to get the better, um, the better wrestling. You know, my parents were, were amazing. They'd always take the kids wherever they needed to go. They'd drive us over to California to, and sit all weekend in a, a gym, you know, for us to compete. And so started doing that, you know, and uh, I never really had any downtime. It was always go, go, go. You know, and uh, um, you know, I would run three miles at at ten, age ten, you know, twice a week. And uh, I remember a couple of times I was, I would, uh, I'd run down to the park and chill and time it, and then just come back. <laughs> and I was supposed to run up a mountain, right? Yeah. Little did I know, my dad had set up a spotting scope and could see the mountains <laughs> nice. and knew I did not run up there. You know, and so. Um, you know, that being said, he wasn't one of those dads that was overbearing or anything like that. It was just, he wanted the best for me. And so, you know, I was doing that when I was 10 years old. And then um, that kind of progressed into wrestling full time. It's kind of a, a, a different community where, you know, you're, you're making weight, you're wrestling, and you're doing your other sports, but the other sports are kind of secondary. And uh, got into high school. I dropped baseball, I played football and wrestling. I was a good football player, you know, I was a Nevada defensive player of the year and all that kind of good stuff, but, you know, I loved wrestling. And there came a time when you're going to ASU, I was able to get a scholarship, went down to, you know, Tempe here. They took me on the campus, and it was over from there. And, you know, I loved, I loved uh, this city and whatnot. And so get on campus, and we start, you know, we start uh, the college wrestling program, which our head coach came in, it was his first year. We show up, and they have to weed all these walk-ons out, you know, because they have guys that are they're paying scholarships to, and they only have a certain amount of spots. And so, September starts, 
and it's full go, you know, and uh, we have a week there where it's, they just try to get rid of those recruits. And we had guys like King Velasquez, you know, guys like that. And they ran us into the dirt. We're carrying guys up uh, Sun Angel Stadium. Then we go to practice and uh, a bunch of guys will quit. And then we just kind of move on to the next week and just kind of kept the same and then go through a whole, whole season of wrestling where it's a grind. And then you're doing it over and over again. And then you get kind of burnt out. And then I was kind of thinking, man, I'm kind of done wrestling, but I want to compete. You know, where's that next step? And that's when MMA started coming around. That's when the yep. Ultimate Fighter was coming Mid-2000s, around. Mid-2000s, yep. You know, guys like Josh Koscheck was on there that I we kind of knew through a coach that was, that was doing well on that season. So we're like, all right, there's an outlet maybe for us if we want to keep on being an athlete. And so, you know, after uh, my junior year, we started playing around with jiu-jitsu for cutting weight. And then I uh, went out and All-American my senior year, and I was kind of uh, I was kind of burnt out. Didn't want to do anything. I got a job, immediately missed it, and wanted to go back to being an athlete. And so that was uh, the time where I'm like, I'm going to give this a shot. I'm not going to look back and say, I would have, could have, should I could have been good. I was an All-American. No, we need to do this right now. I got a job, but I'm going to put in the work after you know work and, and do two hours of training and fighting these local shows and kind of went right into the ultimate fighter what's the lead up to getting it you know i, I grew up watching that show in fact I remember that season i actually was in uh iraq in 2008 when i was watching that show and i remember um seeing all the guys from different backgrounds and you were at the time it was for light heavyweight right it was it was all big boys uh, you wrestled at 197 so i mean you you show up there and and you're you're with guys that are a different breed, right? Because they all want it. They're all hungry. And it's all for one shot. There's one man who's going to sit at, sit at the top. So when you when you go into that kind of atmosphere, what 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 drove you to, to succeed? I mean, did you just show up? Did you practice and do fights before going on the season? Or did you show up cold? Yeah, I probably had four fights. Um, but when, when you're saying there, there's a different breed, not all of the guys were like that. Yeah, I would say we were a different breed, the wrestlers coming in, because we knew how to work. We've been through that stuff. You had the strikers coming in that they hit pads and stuff like that, but they haven't been through a lifetime grind oh, like yeah. we had, yeah. you know. And um, you know, you show up, and I had a friend on there, but we show up and and uh, you get your teams picked off, you know, and, and who you're going to fight. And I end up having to fight my one of my good friends right off the bat to get into the house. Luckily, you know, somebody got hurt and he got to come back on. Um, but I was in there for I was in there to win it. I came in to win it, and I knew I was going to do whatever it takes to go in there with the mindset saying, "All right." keep my head down six weeks. I've been here before. I went through how, you know, countless, you know, uh, years of wrestling college D one college wrestling, which is from September to March, you know, where I didn't have a beer. I didn't, you know, I ate healthy. I did everything I needed to. And then, uh, other guys were, were whining about wanting to go home, you know, three weeks in. Yeah. So that's when I was like, I got this whole thing. I just keep my head down and, and, I knew I wanted. I knew I was going to train the hardest to to win this thing, and that's my that's where kind of the turning point when I was like, I'm going to be good at this, you know, because I got to I got to uh, train and spar with Noguera and Machida, Anderson Silva, and see that another level. And I'm seeing these guys quit or say, "Man, I want to go home," even though they had a family, and I respect that. And you know, yeah, I have a family yeah. now, but um, they wanted to leave. Yeah, it was crazy. They just weren't hungry. No, they weren't hungry at all, you know, and so. 
I was going in there with the mindset to win this whole thing, and I wasn't going to stop until I did it. Yeah, and you, and you did. You were successful. You you crushed that, and then uh, you got a contract with the UFC, and you fought with the UFC. What I was impressed it is: are you tied for the 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 number of fights? You're at 20 fights in the UFC, which is fit. You're 15 and five in the UFC. Yeah. So I have 20 fights in UFC. Yeah. yeah so that's a lot. You Dude, that's know? a so, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's a crazy uh, amount of fights. You know, there came a time when when uh. I was look. I was kind of. What do I do next? Do I do I keep trying to go for this title shot in the UFC, or do I change it up? And and uh, that's when I kind of, uh, you know, was looking at Bellator and different. Yeah. You know, Bellator is coming up, and there's different avenues where I could go. And so, um, there came a time when I was like, all right, I'm gonna make a decision where I, what I want to do next. And I'm glad I made it. Yeah. You know, so I fought my contract out. They all, UFC offered me a contract. I got one from Bellator. Bellator's a lot better, and I took that. Yeah. But looking back, yeah, it was an amazing time. Twenty fights in UFC, and I still feel the best I've ever felt. Yeah. Any regrets on the UFC side of? of uh, no, because well, the only regret is I didn't get a title shot, and I didn't. It was the regret of not being able to show them what I could do, because I didn't have the opportunity. Yeah. And so. Uh, that's the biggest thing for me is is give me the opportunity and let me show you what I can do. And so, um, other than that, you know, I I don't take anything back. I take I would wish I had fights back where you know I had a, a brain fart, went in there and tried something where we didn't train for and whatnot. And those are you know uh, few and far between. But I looking back, I, I never like to regret anything. I had a great time. I got to see the world. You fight learned in front a lot. Of, yeah, yeah, learned a ton, and to be able to to compete in front of. Uh, you know, thousands and thousands of fans. You know, I fought in front of 55,000 fans in Sweden. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, so that was super cool. And and, and uh, I saw that kind of just change a little bit with the uh, employees and whatnot. And it was just time for me to kind of move on. Yeah. And you moved on last year is when you switch over to Bellator. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. How, how is it going right now with the, with the company? Oh, it's amazing. You know, treated well. I fought and won the title in Madison Square Garden. Doesn't get any bigger than yeah, that. That's you huge. Know? That's awesome. Huge, um, man. Yeah. So for me, it's been it's been great. And I had uh, two. I had a title defense, and then I went and won the first round in the in the heavyweight Grand Prix. And so yeah. Now explain we're explain this Grand Prix. Mason was t- telling me about the yeah. Grand Prix, and I remember like the the tournaments, the old school tournaments Pride. that Pride used to yeah. do. Yeah. And Bellator is doing this tournament. Explain to how that how that works. It's an eight man tournament. They because Bellator does not have a, a current heavyweight champion, and so I went and won the light heavyweight cha- uh, championship. And they asked me, "Would you be interested in doing this heavyweight tournament?" And we said, "Hell yeah, let's do it." And uh, we didn't know who was going to be in there, what it would be about, and they didn't know either. It started to fill out, and you had names like, "All right, Fedor Emelianenko's in." You're like, "Wow, yeah. one of the best heavyweights of all time." Yeah, you know, Frank Mir, <laughs> the same, right? Yeah, Chell Sun and. Um, uh, Rampage Jackson, myself, uh, Muhammad Lawal, Matt Mitchell, Big Country. Yeah, like wow, that's a bracket, you big know. Man, and so, eight eight men come together. It's a uh, you know four on each side. We all fought the the first round, and we moved on to the semifinals. And now that we're we're fighting the semifinals in here in September and October, then it moves on to the finals. And so I'm fighting Matt Mitchell coming up. And the other side is uh, Chell Sonnen and Fedor. And uh, a dream for me would be go out there, win my fight, and yep. fight one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. Because you're two fights away yeah. from the Two the fights, fights away fight. from yeah. winning the title. That's, oh, man. And you'd be a, a, a dual belt holder. Yeah, we have, well, we have both you know, belts, light heavyweight and heavyweight. And yeah. So. When's your next fight at? Where's where it going to be This should be in October. I think it's East Coast. They're trying to nail down a date and whatnot. Yep. And so uh, 
it's just one of those things are, well, that's, that's kind of why I moved on also. You know, I get a lot of uh, questions like, oh, do you get cut from the UFC or anything? Nope. Is no, you, like, we fought our contract out yeah. and we decided to get a contract from, uh, from elsewhere, which was Bellator at the time. Yeah. And UFC kind of offered us a, a contract and, and we said, can you match this one? Knowing they wouldn't because yeah. it's a different kind of contract. And uh, they said no, and said we said okay. Yeah, we're that, moving on. It is that's a business practice. I mean, yeah, exactly, hey, it's a know? contract. It's it's there. They had the opportunity to match it. They didn't yeah. match it. So what are you going to do? You're gonna and you're seeing a lot of that now. You know, Musasi coming over, um, Rory McDonald. You know, yeah. who's was arguably number two in the whole World. division and yeah. couldn't get another title shot immediately. Yeah. yeah, he left. He came over and won the title. You know, so it's just it was a decision I made. And and yeah, there's a it was bittersweet at the time. I remember being in Brazil. And thinking, man, this is my last UFC fight. Oh man, and it, it was tough. Yeah, you yeah. know, and it was I was fighting Nogueira down there, and I was like, "This is man, weird. I got to enjoy it. It's weird, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, it really hasn't changed. You know, everything's kind of the the same with Bellator. You yeah, know? it's I, I didn't know what that system was like, but it's the same as UFC. So I, I feel like it really never changed anything. Yeah. You, you ended on a three-fight win streak, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's not like I lost and they got rid of me. Like, no, yeah. Yeah, I could have kept going and I left. I'm 10-1 and one in my last 11 fights. I feel like I'm the best I've ever been. A lot of that is is mentally, too, Yeah, believing I'm the best yep. and accepting that. Whereas in the past, I've always looked up to guys, put them on a pedestal. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so-and-so because I watched them when I was younger. Yep. And then... Which leads to questioning, which exactly. leads to... Yeah. And, yeah, my first fight was a big fight. You know, Keith Jardine, he just beat Chuck Liddell, and I didn't know how I matched up with these guys. Went out there, the first punch he throw he throws, I'm like, all right. I got, you I got belong this. in here. Yeah, I got yeah. it. I got and this. ended up knocking him out. That's awesome. Yeah. It, now, we, you just uh, kind of bridged that gap for me with mindset. You know, when you compete at this level, when you're fighting some of the best fighters in the world – what what's that edge? I mean, what's that edge that separates you from a, a normal man who's who's just trying to get through his day? Yeah, it, well, it's a it's a, a mind fuck for sure, and it's a lot of people, a lot of fighters at the highest level can't control that. Yeah, so it's controlling that. Yeah, you know, you you get a name and a date. Say, I you know, I know the guy I'm fighting. I know I'm fighting in October, or whatever. But it's usually, you know, um, Mike, you're fighting this guy September twenty eighth in wherever. LA. Yeah. And you're like, okay. Whew. You get a little nervous, right? Yeah. Like, yep. All right. This guy. Okay, cool. <laughs> you watch, you watch tape, you do your whole training camp, all training camp. You're thinking about that guy. You're training for that guy. You're watching tape. Your coaches are watching tape and bringing stuff, stuff to you. So you're, you're immersed in this person and what they do. Oh man. Yeah. And then you get to the, the fight week. Right. And it feels like, oh, it's so far away. It's eight weeks away. I have so much time. I don't even have to think about it. Then you're three weeks away, and you're like, oh. and it used to be like when I was younger. You're like, oh, I can't really fall asleep. That shit's tomorrow. That. Crap. <laughs> then yeah. Then all of a sudden you're leaving on a plane to go to the to L.A. and we get there five days before. And you're like, oh, I got five days. I don't even have to worry about this. And like Mason said, all of a sudden it's Friday night, and you've weighed in. And tomorrow you're waking up, and later on you're fighting another man in a cage, yeah. and you're yeah. locked in that cage. Yeah, yeah. And let alone. If it's a 25 minute fight, you know, and so, uh, that whole mind, your, your mindset, that whole week, you have to control it. And for me, I always go back to, I have nerves, you know, I have nerves the day of, I have nerves a, a couple of days before I always go back to a place where I'm like, all right, 
when have you ever not performed? And I'm my harshest critic, so I'll say, oh, I didn't perform here and here. I'm like, yeah, but you went out there and you did it. You just made a mistake. It's like, true, okay. And, and so you're going to go out there. When you touch gloves, all is going to be well. You're going to be good. You're going to feel good. You're going to feel good in that locker room. Don't let this get you right now. Yeah. And so it's like self affirmation. Exactly. Like you just you talk to yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Like literally talking to yourself, yeah. mm-hmm. which some people would think in the mindset game or just I think in uh, normal psychology is like a, a an awkward behavior. No. But that's what gets you through those those moments. Yeah, right? it's true. And then you know you then you're uh, looking at the clock and it's you know say you got to be leave for the arena at five. It's four and you're like I got an hour and you're just kind of like anxiously waiting around. He's like hurry up and wait. You you get your gear together, you start to feel better, and you go to the arena. But then, you know, I fought thirty times, and so those smells of the arena mm-hmm. take me back to a weird place. The noises, the noises, the crowd, and so then you get back into your locker room, you do a drug test and all that, get that out of the way, and you probably have two hours. And you're like, I got a while, and then pretty much that sneaks up on you. But you warm up, and that's when I feel the best. I'm like, all right, I knew I was going to feel this way. I told myself I was going to feel this way. Why did I put myself through all that stress, anxiety yep. and stress yep. before? Because you know you're going to feel this way. Yep. Then you go out there. For me, you go out there, touch gloves, and perform. And then it's, it's great. You go out there and get the win. It's the best feeling ever. That's and awesome. Then you realize, I think I, I hate it, and, but I love that feeling of you're out of your – you're so far out of your comfort zone and – um, it's almost like a drop off. You're you're running here, and then you you're done with your fight, and then you're like you're down here, and you're like, what do I do now? It's the dump. <laughs> yeah, what do I do next? Dump. You know, yeah, and you're absolutely. like, I just went through a um, a whole week of preparing for a certain person. No, I'm going to get in a fight, potentially physically harmed, and you know, uh, this guy's really trying to hurt me. When that's the difference between sparring and getting in a, a fight, you're like, this guy's trying to hurt me. Oh yeah, knock me out, choke me out, whatever, and so. You also get addicted to that feeling and and love and miss that feeling of being alive, I guess. And, oh yeah, you know and, you're going to war. Yeah, you know what? You're, yeah, yeah, you're preparing for war, and then that lead up. It reminds me of like I was just when you were saying that in the preparation phase where you're we'd call it intelligence, where you're just you know getting information mm-hmm. and you're you're building in this target packet because you're trying to get his weaknesses and everything else. I remember in Iraq, like we get these AQ like Al Qaeda operatives or these guys that were like had these call signs that were real cool, like the devil of Mosul or something like that. <laughs> and then you start doing all this information analysis, and you're like, dude, this dude's a bad motherfucker, man. Yeah. This dude's going to fuck us up. He's got a PSD. He's got security elements. And then you kick in the fucking front door after this big buildup, and the dude's like crying. And you're, you're interrogating him, and he's in tears, and you're like, this is Al-Qaeda? This is the like baddest dude and terrorist yeah. on the planet? And he's sitting here crumpled, and he's crying. And so like... I think like when you're in that fight and that lead up, in the execution phase of it, it, you feel and understand everything that you planned for, all the pain, all the suffering led you to that moment. Mm-hmm. And that process is like a magical process, right? Because when it's done, you're like, what now? What's next? Yeah, exactly. What do I need to attack next? And then you're sitting by the pool and you're like supposed to be enjoying time with your kids and you're like, dude, I just missed the process, man. And some got that, you know, that for yeah. most that's transitional issues. 
but I could see it, man. I could see it in that industry, in that space, because that's what you live for. Yeah. yeah. That reciprocating feeling of that experience, man. It's a magical process. And, go ahead. You see guys You see guys from back in the day all the time that just refuse to hang it up because they're like, dude, oh, yeah. I don't care if <laughs> I got beat 10 losses and in a row. I'm freaking doing this every yes. day. It's <laughs> awesome. And it translates to exactly what you guys yeah. are doing, too. I can't imagine doing what you guys are doing and, and, and being with all your boys and doing what you're doing and coming back and be like, like you said, Am I a weird person for feeling like I need to be doing something when I'm sitting here with my kids, you know? And, it's and, crazy. No, you're not a, weird at all. And a lot of, like, a big thing, too, is for me, I, I've, I felt like I've always been the hardest worker in the room, um, you know, and I, I make sure that I'm never walking into the cage, barring like I had an injury and I had to get through it and whatnot, that I'm thinking, man, I did not do everything I could have to be mm-hmm. prepared for this moment. Yep. I walk in saying, I did everything I could do to be prepared for this moment if i lose it is what it is yeah if i if i give it my all and i lose i'm fine with that yep um but if i look back and say you know i I didn't do everything i needed to do yeah and it wasn't because of an injury it was just because i I was lazier and that's never happened but then i'd walk in and be very disappointed with myself after. Regret, yeah. regret would immediately start to Huge. set that. 100%. Man, if only I would have did those extra runs, yeah. those extra hill runs, whatever. And yeah. there's time you got to fight through injury. I broke my hand through camp. I couldn't do anything really except cardio and stuff. And um, I got a little local anesthetic a couple of days before. I didn't like it. I couldn't feel my hand. So we just kind of rolled the dice. And I was fighting uh, OSP, yeah. who's a monster. Yeah. He was 6'6", six, six, yep. probably 240 when we fought. And ended up feeling one of the feeling the best I've felt in a five round fight. You know, nice. I just you know talk about that just for a second because I know I know you personally, so I know what you're like. You are one of the one of the only fighters I know that doesn't cut a lot of weight. Like you fight dudes that are like two forty, two fifty when they come to fight you because they cut so much weight, and you're like, nah, I'm at two twenty, dude. I'm good. I'm at two fifteen, whatever. You cut that ten pounds, and you're good. Yeah, uh, you, you got to feel better than they do. You yeah, think, you know, right? but I, I still do cut a little weight, you know, and, and what it was my first time ever competing besides football, my last fight because I'm fighting heavyweight that I went in and didn't have to cut weight at all. You know, and that, how good it, did that feel? It was awesome. Oh man, because I, I I come in at 220 and I gotta I have to weigh 206 or 205. Right. And so Wednesday I'm watching my food. Thursday I'm I have a routine where I drink some coffee, eat a little breakfast. That's my last meal for a day and a half, and. uh you know, when it's time, we're like, all right, I'll get all my plastics on and stuff like that, and we'll go in a in a hot room and and uh, start sweating and get about ten pounds off in about an hour, forty five minutes, forty five minutes to an hour, and then um, see where we're at. I'll take a hot bath, really hot bath. It's like two pounds in ten minutes. Dang. Get out and you're you're smoked then, and then get back out, relax, go back in get back out and then I can kind of drink a little bit so I can sleep. You know, I'll drink a little Gatorade, whatever. Um, then in the morning, get back up and, and do another hot bath. And it's usually three pounds, then go way in and you feel like shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, that's a fight in itself. Oh, you yeah. know? And so then you get done with that and then you're like, Oh, I can eat. I can do all that. Then you're like, Oh shit, I got to fight tomorrow too. Oh, and that, man. and I, I don't cut that much weight either. Like he was saying, yeah, it's, guys will kill themselves to make a weight. Yeah. Any, any, any pre rituals, uh, pre fight rituals that you do that kind of, you know, have made a significant difference that you've noticed, uh, throughout your career. 
Um, as far as like right before the fight kind of deal, like superstition yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I always pack my bags. I don't know why I pack them. Like every single thing I have is it's ready to grab and just like leave the hotel room. I guess. Yeah, I yeah. I don't know why I do it, but I just started doing it. And yeah, and uh, you think it's a maybe a preparation of mindset? Like you're you're literally structuring maybe something and getting it to. I mean, I think when you say that, I think of stuff like staging stuff. Like when we stage kit. And you lay out your body armor and your guns and your grenades and everything's neat and tidy and it kind of organizes your brain so there's not this clusterfuck of, of you know, it's like hygiene. Yeah, no, I like that. Prepared. Yeah, I haven't thought about it like that. But yeah, yeah maybe that because I literally will go through and be like, all right, and I fold, and then usually don't fold them this meticulous, but everything is perfect in my bags and stuff. Yeah. And, my, and the guy, my brother-in-law that rooms with me and corners me, you know, in, in the same room. Uh, he knows the ritual now, but at first he's like, what the fuck are you doing? You spent two hours <laughs> yeah. getting all your shit together, you know? And it's just a weird thing that it, I guess, yeah, you hit on, hit the nail on the head as far as maybe that's my brain saying, all right, everything's in order. Yeah. Not only here, but your training camp went well. Everything's lined up for you to knock everything down and, and uh, have a good night, you yeah. know? And so it's also, it seems like it's also like a soft task and it's almost therapeutic because when you're thinking about it's like yoga, right? You're being more mindful, more aware of your breath. Yeah. But when you fold everything and it's meticulous, it's a ritual, mm-hmm. which is like a pre, you know, it's a pre-fight ritual, but you're you're doing this and it's almost like clarity for your brain because your brain outside of that would be and you know, thinking about the fight, everything. thinking about, you know, your hands, your physical fitness level, yeah. your breath, and then you get there and then you get to concentrate on a task that's mundane. But literally is like that hygiene you need prior, yeah. You know that mental hygiene you need prior to the fight, maybe for sure. And uh, you you can probably attest to this too. Is uh, when when the week of, I only want people around me that are in the same mindset. Oh so yeah. My yep. my my wife, she's awesome, and she knows too. But my kids never come to the fight. My wife comes in and says hi on Saturday mm-hmm. for fifteen minutes. Yeah. And that's the only time I see her all week because she knows, like she can look at me and just. You know, I don't want that, that my mind to switch and start thinking like, oh, you know, here's like love and, you know, this and that, you know, we're a different mindset. We've been going all week as far as we're preparing for this competition. We're eating a certain way. We're training at night. The same time we're going to fight. We're everything usually comes together that week too. So we're like, hell yeah, we're feeling good. We're doing this, you know, so I don't want to ranch to be thrown in there and I start oh, thinking yeah. about my kids yep. and this and that. I'll think about them after, but it's a, it's a, and some wives can't handle that. You know, I have a great wife and she, she's perfect with all that, but I've seen wives room with their husband all week and, <laughs> and their kids are it. around. <laughs> ruin it. I'm like, how can you do that? You know, <laughs> derail like, that sucking train. the life force out of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I get that lead when in the lead up, you need that clear, narrow focus. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's like, that is a, that is a, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a symptom that is in every high level performance and successful, like mission accomplished, yep. a successful industry, man. It's, it makes sense. High five at the end of the day and accomplished exactly. what you wanted to accomplish. Exactly. Let's talk about physical preparation because, you know, you say you're at the top of your game now and you are literally, you're at the top. And I get asked questions all the time. And most of them are involved, you know, hey, I want to become a Ranger or a Green Beret. I want to do all this stuff, but I feel like I'm too old. And these guys are like late twenties, early thirties. And I'm like, man, you're, you're, you're in your physical fitness prime and your muscle maturity wise in your thirties. 
some of the best athletes in the world are in their 30s. You're in your 30s now. Yep. What at this level, at this point, what makes you physically at the top of your game? Is it is it the the experience with the physical fitness understanding? What, what, why are you at your top of your I game? I think being consistent. You know, I have been ever since I was from seven years old. I've never stopped. Yeah, I went to you know I went to Division One wrestling uh, program. Went through that. Went right into mixed martial arts training. And like I said, I feel I pride myself on being the hardest worker. And so I've I've been going hard that whole time. I just turned 35. I feel the best I've ever felt. And I actually got uh, I actually got blood work done uh, last week. Yeah. I just got the results, you know, and uh, I've, we do that, you know, quite often to like just to see where we're at. Do I need more vitamin D? Where, you know, yep. where is this at? Uh, my testosterone was at like 750. Yeah, which is the top of the bracket. And, and I've, yeah. I've had, you know, it down to like 300 something before. And it's just, you know, living a clean life and, and uh, for me, it's just being consistent and being in there every day and getting better. And your body really doesn't have a chance to fall off. Yeah. When you like walk me through a day, uh, a day in Ryan's training camp, like you, you get up, you, how many hours of sleep are you getting? What are you doing during that day? Yeah, a day in training camp. So uh, say it's like a tough Monday. You know, I try to get at least eight to 10 hours of sleep. You know, uh, I'll get in bed somewhat early, watch a show, whatever, fall asleep by 10, um, be up and then uh, um, go to the gym. And I have say say it's a Monday. We have two practices that day. One is a uh, kind of a drill and then we're going some live goes and, and it's hard. It's a one and a half hour, two hour kind of training. And usually on that Monday, too, I'll get a, a 15 to 25 minute tempo run, keeping my heart rate at 150, running hard doing all that little break and that's when i do other stuff like you be all that i come back at four and it's hard sparring or cage wrestling it's one of the hardest things you can do you yeah. know you're totally gone afterwards like i go home and i try not to be grumpy i eat my meal and i go to bed and and wake up you know on tuesday i'm looking forward to my rest day on wednesday you know and tuesday do it all over again yeah that's so, that's tough on your body. Have you noticed the recovery process since you've been getting older that it's yeah, a harder recovery? A little bit, a little bit harder. But um, like today, you know, I try to keep it up. Today I went to we have a gym and and uh, it's hot. The unair sweating right gym. now because <laughs> no AC. Right before this, because I like to keep myself going. Uh, I did a lift, I did a mitts and drill, and then I just hit a hard aerodyne bike right be you know right before. Yeah. Um, right before I came over here. You know, and uh, just to keep my body just ready. So when I start a training camp, it's not like, okay, we're starting from scratch. And that's what a lot of people do. You won't see them at all. Yeah. You know, and so I just like to keep myself pretty primed. I have fun and do whatever when I'm not having a fight. But, um, you know, I, I, I'm consistent. And I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, I, I, I remember seeing – I remember talking to you about stuff like that and seeing dudes that were in the UFC – and you're like, you see him in an interview or doing military, yeah. military stuff or whatever, and you're like, that guy kind of looks soft. Like, he's 250, wow. you know, and he's, oh, yeah. he's got a fight coming up. Yeah. And then you see him on way in day, and you're like, damn. Yeah. They're taking got, off season to a whole shredded. new level. Yeah. That, that can't be good for you. Like, no. Keeping, no. Keeping up with the game. Yeah. It's got to be way more healthy for your body. Yeah. But it's a life. It's something that you've done your it's entire lifestyle. life. Yeah. It's a lifestyle, to, right? You have to. Uh, I, I've never not worked out. If I. Like I joke with my uh, my wife, 
you know, if, if the dog doesn't get walked, it's, it's going to get crazy, you know, yeah. in the house, you know? And so yeah. for, thanks for putting up with them. Yeah. 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 So yeah. for me, it's like, if I'm not doing something and it's been three or four days, I, I get nuts. Yeah. You know, I have to be doing something. Yeah. They're crazy. Yeah. I've been there before. I know what that feels like. Yeah. It's, that's so, you know, when you, when you do, um, when you're competing at this level, um, for so long, what is, I mean, have you ever thought about retirement or are you even thinking about what the, what the potential end of that looks like? I, I, I mean, it's gone through my head for sure. But like right now, I, like I said, I feel the best I've ever felt. Uh, yeah, I just turned 35. So that creeps into your mind. You know, I don't want to be fighting into my forties, Yeah, but I, for, for sure, I have a good three years left, Yeah, you know, and, and I don't like to put a, a date or a number of fights on it. Cause I don't know, as long as I'm having fun yeah. and I'm doing the work to prepare, then I'm good. Yeah. When I'm not, when I'm walking to the cage thinking, man, I've been half-assing it or, you know, uh, I haven't done everything I need to do. Yeah. I need to get out. Cause this is a game that you can't have one foot in one foot out. Oh yeah. Cause, cause there's consequences to that. Oh yeah. You know? And so I, I pride myself on, especially in this tournament, not saying that the guys are that in the tournament are kind of like that, but I think some are. I think there's some like, oh, do one more fight, see what happens. One more fight, and see what happens. Yeah, and then uh, you can't you can't have that mindset. Yeah, there's gonna be penalties for they that. Just want that next paycheck. That's yeah. it. There's gonna be penalties for and that. If they go out, if yeah. they go out, and you okay, I won again. All right, now let's, move, let's move on to the <laughs> next one. Yeah, and just kind of wait until they get flatlined and be like, okay, yeah. now's the time. But. There's a lot of guys like that out there right now. Well, you're probably always thinking about it too. If you set a date like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna fight till I'm 38, and then you're like, well, shit, I'm getting close to retirement. Then, oh yeah, it's then just, you're thinking about it all the time. Yeah, and like, it's just bad to have that inject. Yeah, it's in better there. just to not think about yeah. it. Yeah. Well, if what would Ryan better be doing right now if it wasn't for fighting? Like right now. I have no clue. Honestly, Do you want more farmers on used car salesmen. <laughs> yeah, I I, I don't know. I get. I'm real like. I'm pretty like even keel, but I I have that like it's not a hyper deal, but it's just like I always have to be doing something. Yeah, movement, super driven. When I, I got yeah. a job, it was in sales right out of college, Which and is, I I hated it. That's not like, good for you. <laughs> no, oh, yeah. I hated it. You yeah. know, and so uh, um, yeah, for me, I I don't know. You know, it, it was something like oh, I want to I want to do something outside my comfort zone. I want to do like do some sales and, and uh, kind of go from there and, and see what happens. And then I realized I don't want to be in a cubicle. I don't want to do this. Even though we were <laughs> yeah. outside doing stuff, I'm like, it's not for me. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, you know, and like, what about teaching? Hell no. No, don't no. want nothing to do with it. Oh, as far as like mixed martial arts yeah, and yeah. stuff. I've been it. It's hard to say. Cause right now, like, and I'll always be involved in it, Yeah. but I've been involved in it so much. I like, I want to do something now. Next you stage. Know? You know, and so for me, yeah, I just, I've always been in athletics my whole life. And so, you know, for me, it's, you know, growing up too, was, I've always had competition. And so when that's taken out, and it was for a little while after college wrestling, I was like, I'm missing something. What now? What now? You know, yeah. and so that's why I started training, knowing damn well I was going to do it, but I was like, I'll just train to keep in shape. You know, what, what are most of these, what are most fighters doing nowadays? Like you see these guys and they're like at the top of their game and then they drop they're off gone. completely gone. And I, I always wonder, cause I, you know, I equate, I've always equated, you know, growing up in special forces, 
we've always had we've always trained around the best fighters because part of it was combatives, right? You want to have mm-hmm. be physically fit, but also be able to tangle with somebody. And so there's always a program or a regime, and you know whether it was jujitsu or kickboxing. It, I, I would always see guys who were like at the top of their game in special operations that when they got out, they they would lose themselves. They didn't know what the fuck they wanted to do, and then. Again, like you said, they they couldn't. You can't take a guy who's been operating at that kind of level, put him in a cubicle. They'll freaking destroy everybody in every cubicle around them, and it's just like releasing a, a wild Malinois mm-hmm. in the wild. I mean, just it just it's not healthy for society, let alone that guy and his family. So I always I always wondered, like, hey, you know, when you're a fighter, when you have a regime, you have a program, you have a process that you've done your whole life that results and just destroying a dude and then resetting and doing it again, when that ends, when that door closes, like, what the fuck do you do? And that's, I almost feel like, yeah, yeah, it's like, well, it's how do you, and maybe, you know, a lot of guys, a lot of guys go into coaching, like he was saying, and they, they're still around it and they have guys that that they can get that from. They, you know, put a fighter through a whole training camp and they go and the guy goes and wins and it's a team thing, but I know, yeah, I know what you're talking about as far as going back to that feeling like week of and like you guys obviously have it times a hundred when you're you're operating and do whatever at this level and you have those peaks where you're like, Yep, I'm alive, you know, and you're like, oh, Holy yeah. shit, whether it's yeah. getting shot at or whatever, yep. or whether you're walking in a cage and guys trying to fuck you up, you yep. know, you're like, All right, now what do I do? What what is my what is my peak now? Is it going uh you know, is it going surfing? You know, or is this, or is it, you know, guys will be like, all right, now I'm doing jujitsu and I'm going and competing in jujitsu or something. They got to have that outlet for sure. Yeah. You have to have an outlet, guys like have that. Have to. Otherwise, yeah. that outlet in, ends up being, you know, alcohol or oh, yeah. getting in fights elsewhere on the street or you have to have that. And I think, I think uh, it's a certain person too that goes into your kind of field or wants to go fight somebody. You know, and not necessarily want, but they they want that experience, right? They want to go out there and and be nervous and be like, "What the fuck am I doing right now?" Yeah, right? yeah. But then after you're like, "That was incredible, the best feeling yeah. in life." And so, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I ha- I have a a bunch of buddies in special operations and stuff, and and it's a and a lot of them are getting out too, and it's the same it's the same thing, you know, and and uh, you know, congrats on what you're doing. You oh, know, I with all it, this, it's thank amazing. You. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. You know, and and, every, and and they're all kind of the same as far as you know. Uh, he's like, man, uh, the mindset. I don't know, you know, and this and that. He's like, maybe I'll do some security, and this, <laughs> you know, it's every guy, right, that comes yeah. out, and and it's uh, it's it's, I think it's just a certain type of person, and you can't you can't box that person in, and they have to find their passion and outlet, and yeah, in those peaks, because uh, if those peaks are going to start getting more flatlined. Nope. Yeah. Once you get out of what you guys do, what you know, or or you know, even competing, I'm like an X Games kind of guy, oh, you yeah. know. And then you don't have that. What do you do? Some people turn to drugs and alcohol to get those peaks. Some people compete in jujitsu. Some people carry on a you know with their passion, which is maybe they skiing or something like that. But. Yeah. Well, it's all these careers that are lifestyles. Like it's not just a a job you go to. Yeah, it's not a nine to five. Yeah, it's like like you said, you you, you trained your whole life, and you continue even when you're off. You're training special forces. You're like you're always training. You're always in missions. You come home. You're like "Ah, I just want to go back out. The cops, you know, the cops spend 
25, 30 years, like they go to the supermarket and they're like, oh man, you know, they're always looking around at that, that, that level and then they're done and they're like, yeah, it's detrimental. Now, now, it's, now what I do, it, yeah. like mentally, it's detrimental. They need to find something to do. They need to find hobbies. Like, and, yeah. and it sucks for families too, you know, because they, you know, families have they're involved with that, and they could see they could see whether you, you know you come back and you're you're elsewhere or whatnot. Or, yeah. Um, I, I know when I come back on a, from a fight on Monday, I'm like, I'm supposed to be just chilling out. Yeah. I'm just trying to find stuff to do because yep. I, I can't just... You feel like you should be back at the gym already. You yeah. feel like you like, should be resetting. Yeah, Let's doing, get ready again. <laughs> yeah, doing exactly. Yeah. Days. There is no downtime. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you know, you're getting involved in business too. I, I think it's it's pretty cool. I talked to Mason and Mason introduced me to some of the stuff that you're doing, which which amazingly for me, uh, and even in <laughs> the... the uh, uh, one of the co-owners of, of Skillset Magazine even, he he actually was a free fall instructor of mine. And I see guys like that coming into business and being successful. Mm-hmm. Business is – what's cool about business is it allows creative outlets, allows you to be involved, allows you to be uh, you know, a sole proprietor kind of your destiny. Mm-hmm. And and I know you're doing some business stuff on the side that uh, you're taking part in. What What's your what's your business that you're doing and, and what is it? Yeah, so I mean for us, we have a couple different supplements. They're basically two-ounce shots. And the one we're holding right now is called Juby, J-U-B-I. And it's a cognitive enhancer that helps with uh, you know energy and cognitive enhancement, but also stress relief. And I mean, you guys can attest; you guys like it, like the product. Oh yeah, um, people we give it to like the product. Um, we just kind of wanted to do something. We we wanted to formulate something that could help. It wasn't just an energy drink. And uh, trial and error, we found a good little uh, 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 mix of ingredients and and. Um, gave it to you know the people at the gym, whatnot. And we found you know found one, formulated one, and gave it to people, and they came back and were like, "Hey, do you have any more of that?" You know, yeah. and so it's like, that uh, was me. It's like a drug. <laughs> I was we, like, uh, Mason, uh, you got you juvie or crunk? Man, I miss. I wish I recorded some of the reactions when I would show up to a gunfighter pistol or whatever, and I'd give you one, and then the next day we'd do gunfighter rifle, and you'd be like, "Hey, hey, what you, you, you got, got some of that juvie, bro? You got some?" <laughs> <laughs> or even a text prior to like, "Hey, do you got any more of that at home? Can you bring <laughs> some <laughs> in for me?" <laughs> You know, so it, it so we were basically sitting there and like, and my brother in law is part of it too, and we we're like, let's just, let's just try it, let's do it, and we've never done anything like that. You know, he's kind of done stuff like that, but um, not a tangible product. And so we formulated it, we found a manufacturer, we found you know wraps, whatever, um, got it going. I sent it to a guy in uh, in Vegas that I know. He he sent it out to um, a big distributor. They loved it. Kind of the same thing happened, gave it to the warehouse guys. They came back and, and wanted more. And so now we're on circle K's kind of throughout the country here and, and different Mavericks. We're in map codes in the Southeast and, um, try You can find out more T R Y J U B I.com. Um, and then we also have a new one. Um, we actually just kind of, uh, um, squeeze in a, uh, just a really unique deal. Um, little government contract selling to, uh, Navy ships and, and, uh, that's going to be fun. It's going to start here in July. You know, uh, when the ships come in, obviously it's classified, but we get a little ping when they're going to be in port and go out there and the sales guys go in and uh, try to sell it onto those ships. And, and uh, you know, there's however many, 500, whatever, um, all different kind of ships and trying to get it in there, you know. And so it's fun and it's, it, it stimulates me in a different way. And, um, you know, it's not just I can't just be a fighter and train all day, you know. Yeah, I'm a husband, father, uh, mixed martial artist, but I also want to get other stuff going. So when I do say 
all right, I don't want to fight anymore. It's not like you got something else I to do. have to fight. Yeah. You know, it's like, all right, I'm just, I got something else to fall back on. I like it. You know what I like about Juby actually is the fact that, you know, I, I'm notoriously associated with energy drinks because I just crush <laughs> them. And I actually teach. Monsters usually. White, white monsters usually. Mm-hmm. But what I, I usually teach, even when I'm teaching firearms, I teach that, hey, you know, and you experience this in fighting, there's a, there's a curve. You know, it's a name curve, but it's a, it's a curve of understanding performance and, and your physical abilities in that curve. Like when you're optimized mm-hmm. and usually associated in beats per minute, you're, you're focused, you're attentive, your uh, hand-eye coordination is better. And then you get off into, you know, you get too far up in that and you start getting jittery, you get yeah. weird, you start making bad decisions. But for me, you know, when I was in the military, my resting heart was like in the 30s. I was crazy. super crazy, like fit as far as endurance-wise. And I, and I started uh, shooting. If I shoot a drill and demonstrate a drill and I'm on a pro timer – if I don't have anything in me and in order to accelerate my heart rate to, to allow me to get a little caffeine or a jolt, I'm super sluggish. And a sluggish might be two tenths of a second, but I like to be super fast. And point. unless I'm running or, you know, doing burpees prior to a drill, uh, I don't get there. And what I like about this is it doesn't make me feel jittery. Like a mo- if I drink a monster, you get anal leakage, <laughs> you, <laughs> you get shits all the time. It's just weird. You get you feel funny. But this, I actually like this because it's it, – I mean, it, I feel – Super focused, like unreal focus. <laughs> Hashtag anal. Leakage. Well, try try a monster and a ju- drink a juvie. Yeah, and then an hour from now, drink a monster. Yeah, it has a weird way of uh, kind of mitigating the bad yeah effects of, of caffeine. I've, nice. I've kind of learned that over the last three years. You know, I'll I'll uh, drink one of those or drink one and a half, and then I'll drink a, a good amount of caffeine. And yeah, it, it mm. kicks it back into another level, and you're like. Ooh, are you are good. you using any accelerated caffeine during, before a fight? No, because like you were saying, because that um, I don't like to put anything into my body that I don't train with. But uh, on top of that, I can spar and be fine as far as anxiety and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but you so you have, don't offset that. You have that you have a, a different um, different emotions going on right before a fight. I do drink caffeine before a fight. I'll drink. Um, and I can drink a lot of caffeine. I'm like you. I yeah, crush, crush it. it and yeah. be fine. But I'll drink uh, like a three quarters cup of. I'm talking about a regular cup. My cup in the morning is probably three cups, right? Yeah. I'm talking about a regular cup of coffee, maybe three quarters of that. Say it's maybe eighty to hundred milligrams of caffeine. I'll drink that two hours before we go to the, uh, or when we're about to leave, which is about two and a half hours before the fight. Yeah. And that seems to do. It wakes me up, but it doesn't get me. Jittery. jittery or that headspace where you're like i'm on a different planet right now <laughs> yep um because your your different emotions are are flowing and so i don't want to go crush 200 milligrams of caffeine and all of a sudden be like i'm usually not in this state yeah and then i introduce caffeine and it makes you anxious makes so you i'm feel haywire weird. right yep. now i don't feel strong you know yep but i i yeah i mean i do like it and i, and I do thank you for the good positive review but i do like a, about juby is it doesn't give you that, and it gives you more of that focused, you know, stress-free, I can do anything kind of feeling. Is that other one that you're talking about for the Navy ships, is that going to be released to the public? Eventually, yeah. We're going to get everything uh, dialed in, you know, with the, the government and then um, release it in the public for sure. It's cool looking, you know, it's it's uh, yellow, and it's more of your lo- your energy drink looking yeah. boom in your face, and yep. it kind of hits you in your face right at, right at the beginning, and then... And, uh, 
Um, but we still have all the nootropics in here, the theanine, you know, caffeine, obviously, bacopa and the other one. And so um, you feel good all day and you still have that sharpness. And you can take that one every day. You take that one every day. Yeah. yeah. Because this one's like, like 48 hours or something like that. We, we, yeah, we like people to only drink two or three times a week um, because there, there is an ingredient in there that is a very powerful nootropic and you can build a tolerance to. So we don't want people taking double and triple. So is it bad to just chug three of them? Is that no, bad? hey, you're good. <laughs> no, you're Mike Glover. It's good. Don't worry about I'm it. 240 bro. pounds. Yeah. So Dang. Well, part of your shakes at, at our classes is the fact that you don't eat as well. So That's true. You smash I fast. monsters. I like fasting. <laughs> hey, Mike, here, caffeine. eat this. Here, drink You're doing this. the low-carb monster yeah. and with no food? I, dude, I always do Every that. time. But it's gotta, so bad for you, man. That, i got to force feed you sometimes. You do have classes, to do that, man. man. <laughs> it's so weird. But I'm still fat. I don't understand <laughs> how I can get so through it, stupid. man. Um, Kurt's not here to say that, by the way. That's you don't true. have to admit to that. True. He's on a plane right now flying away. Safe travels, brother. Yeah, safe travels. Um survival man you you're a big outdoorsman you mm-hmm. grew up it's funny because I, I actually i used to teach in fernley nevada mm-hmm. and people are like oh nevada they think they think vegas. of uh, vegas they think of it's like a cityscape yeah. i'm like bro you've never been to, to nevada because i've i've gone opal mining in nevada and northern nevada and it's the in the middle of nowhere i teach in fernley which is like wild horses getting eaten by uh, mountain lions like yeah. crazy shit oh, in yeah. the well, isn't the like 80 percent of nevada is owned by the government right it, I, well, so it's like all, all, I, all yeah, that. it's all BLM. Yeah. It's yeah. all public all access. Public land, yeah. yeah, it's got a lot of public access. Um, but you were mentioning a story about uh, you know, it's some, funny some you said that you stuff. went opal mining. It's probably the same spot. It's called the Sheldon Animal you know Reserve or whatever. Yep. It's kind yep. of by the Oregon border. It is okay, right on the Oregon same border. spot. Yeah. And so my uncle had a uh, uh, a sheep tag, and and whether you enjoy hunting or not, we're not even going to get into that. But um, uh, it's a very coveted tag and you might get one in your life, you know? Yeah. And so we were all out and honestly, I don't even know how old I was. I was probably 13, 14. Um, and, and where we're at, like you said, there's nothing out there, but you go on these plateaus and there's tons of the biggest antelope probably in definitely in the state in the, in the country potentially. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's sheep there too. I'm talking big rams. And so we walk, I think it was like 13 miles to get to where, because there's no roads in which you get on the plateau, to where the sheep are. Um, glassing and all that. It's hot. We kind of ran out of water. And my uncle, we spot a sheep. We go uh, go set up and stuff and, and uh, shoots the sheep. We go over to clean it out, get all the meat, you know, get the head and the horns and stuff like that. And we're kind of realizing, like, man, fuck, we have 13 miles to go oh, back shit. to camp and we don't have any really any water we're like you know being a kid you're like oh, whatever I'm, we're good no big deal it's my dad and my grandpa and my uncle exactly <laughs> and my me and my cousin who's my cousin's a year younger than me so he's probably you know 13 whatever and so um we all each have some meat whatever start walking out getting the canyon up and it's getting to the point where it's almost like 4 30 you know so we keep walking we're walking and we're like, shit, it's going to get dark and we don't have any water and it's really hot right now. And my uncle kind of goes down. <laughs> He's throwing up. I'm like, oh, that sucks. All of a sudden I had to shit myself so bad. It was like heat exhaustion. Oh, yeah. You're- I just, and, and if you know anything about me, I'm pretty private with that. So I'm just behind a bush, just like, ah, oh. then my cousin, boom, same thing. Oh, and my shit. grandpa pulls us aside and he's like, Here, I got one more Sprite. 
He pulls out the Sprite. <laughs> we drink the hottest Sprite, the best Sprite I've ever had in oh, my life. Man. And we walk another, you know, um, I mean, maybe seven miles or something, however many, but we were not going to be able to make it back because everybody's just going down, you know. So we just set up, you know, we got out of the canyon too and set up on these like rocks. And any, you think about the desert, it gets cold at night. And so, and we don't have any uh, long sleeves or anything because we got there, you know, early and started walking. It was hot. Thought, thought you'd be back in time. <laughs> and so we have a fire going. I tried to stand up to pee one time. I'm almost, I was passed out. You know, my dad was pretty good. Um, and so finally my uncle's like, fuck this. And he goes down. He comes back with a green, sludgy water ball. It's literally sludge. Oh. And he starts drinking it. And my grandpa's like, what are you doing? You're going to get the worst. <laughs> you know? And so we go get more of the green sludge. And we're like... We watch them drink it. And we're like, that does look pretty good, though. <laughs> and so we put all these gauze bandages around the the bottle and just start sucking whatever moisture we can. And yeah. we, we take turns and doing all that. But then it gets cold as hell, and uh, like I'm kind of shivering, whatever. And so the meat's done at that point, right? And so I crawl into this bloody sheep bag, oh, the meat bag, and spend the night in there. You know, still shivering. We're kind of by the fire. And then we're all just sitting around, and I'm like, fuck this. I'm like, I asked my dad, I was like, can we just go to make the last little bit back to camp, you know, because it was 5 in the morning at that point. And he's like, yeah, so we woke everybody up. And then we just just kind of mentally toughed it out, <laughs> shitting on the side Dude, the whole time. Awesome, man. We so get good. back, and I'm not joking. It was, uh, um, we're, I mean, this was back in the day, too, so we got back to a, a, our camp. And I remember we had like Sunny Delight, the big old yes. bottles. I literally took that. Crushing it. And talk about shooting your pants it. even more. 90% sugar. Yeah, I just crushed that. I was drinking a, a Pepsi, anything that tasted good. And we finally got back, but it, it got kind of scary for a while. You know, my my grand, or my or uh, uncle was kind of bad a little bit, you know, and we were all had heat exhaustion, you know. So, you know, stuff like that, you know, it, it was it's fun to talk about now, you know, but I, I was in. I, I I was good. so another story real quick is that we were in British Columbia and we were we were hunting and uh, uh, my grandfather took us all out when we graduated college me and my cousin and my dad and uncle to go hunting up there and uh, I had they all guides and stuff and I had Hillbilly Bob guide no shit go out there and I have all the you know I have Gore Tex rain gear shit because it's about to snow he has his flannel on and we go out. <laughs> It starts snowing even harder, so we get under a tree. He's like, "Man, this is going to be a pretty good storm." I'm like, yeah, no shit. Like, you just look out. <laughs> you sure that wet. wasn't Mike Glover? I know. You Fuck. look out your tent. You're like, yeah, I know, and I'm I'm good. You know, I'm I'm all my stuff. And then he's like, "We probably should get back because I, I don't have any gear." And I was like, "Do you want my coat? Whatever." And he's like, "No, no." And so we're going on horseback. <laughs> and so we're on a horseback, and we start rolling out, and and. uh He's like leaning real weird, and it's snowing hard now. And I can see it just going down his shirt and everything. He starts leaning again, like I almost about to fall off his horse. Fall off his horse. And so I ride up to him, like, "Hey, man, you all right?" And he can't talk. So we, Ooh. and I'm, I'm not good with horses either, right? Yeah. And so I'm like trying to, I get him off his horse, and I have two horses, and I'm trying to get at him like through, and I'm trying to hold the two horses, and I sit him by a tree, and he's like, "Light a fire." I was like, "There's, I can't light a fire." I'm like, "There's, it's a foot of snow everywhere." He's like, light that tree on fire. <laughs> oh, I'm like, I can't light the tree. He's like, light it on fire. I'm like, all right. Oh, he's like, going down. He's go, desperate. Boom. I hit this tree. I'm talking about a 60-foot tree, and I have video to prove it, too. The whole tree just <laughs> lights up all the way up. This whole tree's on fire. 
I got him by the tree. I got him by the tree. He's like kind of warming up enough where, you know, I gave him my jacket and stuff and uh, we get him. I mean, we were still like, I mean, six miles through little switchbacks on horse horseback. We get him back to camp and like get him back. And my cousin's looking at me. I'm like, oh, oh my fucking God. Like, <laughs> so we get him back and he's fine. The next day, better day, right? We all roll out. I'm behind him. I see this huge fucking bear just stand up. Boom. I'm like, oh, fuck. I was trying to like unzip my scabbard to get my gun out in case I get bucked off because I'm not really good on horses here. And then the horse was like, oh, sorry. shit. <laughs> I'm like trying to get my, and I have like a, a 300 Ultra Mag, you know, so yeah. I'm good if I have my gun, hopefully. And uh, I finally just get him to walk away. And then I'm like, same guy. And I'm like, hey, there's a huge bear right there. And he's like, no, no, it probably isn't a bear. Oh. Stops 30 feet from there to have lunch. And we're sitting there and he starts snoozing again. I'm like, what the fuck did I get myself into? You didn't, you didn't pay this guy, right? Like you, took I, your my money grandfather back. did, yeah. And then, and then, where's Ronnie Michael? But then a little bit later, headed back, and he had, he had a real spooky horse, and and the horse saw a mushroom, and oh. bucked his ass off so high, and he hurt his back, and had to get a bush pilot had to come and grab him. Get out of here. Dude. Oh, that's awesome! So, that- so you know, there's it was cool experiences. You know, obviously when when you're in that when you're in that experience, it's it's not it's not fun. It's yeah. it's it's fun to say, oh, I did this and you know whatever. But I remember sitting in like in the rock when we were sheep hunting. I was like, just just uh, like you're cutting weight. You know, that's what it is. Like you're just cutting weight for the day. You're gonna get back to the camp tomorrow. You know, tough it out, whatever. Yeah. Well, as a kid, I mean, when you when you when you do something like wrestling, which is obviously very intense, it requires a lot of discipline. It teaches you all these things that transcends, especially in survival, right? Because mm-hmm. when, when you're trying to survive, you're tapping into your Rolodex of experience. And, you know, one of the things that we teach is you, 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 can't, just, you can't just have a technical skill set like shooting a gun and not put yourself through stressful experiences outside of that and expect to survive something that mm-hmm. re- requires resiliency. And it's like all those little experiences of being outdoors and, you know, being, you know, hunting, uh, having issues with, you know, hypothermia or, yeah. or water that you learn like, hey, this is the, the mindset you have to have. And some people in those situations fucking die because they're like, I'm just not going to make it. And you're like, what? Well, like, they've never do, been uncomfortable. Well, they've never been uncomfortable. And then it's like th- their first go-to is just like, I, d- I just give up. I tap out. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, dude, we're like five miles from camp yeah, to yeah, live, good. and you're re- we're willing to sit here and die. But it's crazy, man. It's like, you know, it's what's rarer and rarer that I've seen, and, and I'm sure uh, with you having kids now, you, you know this, like when we grew up, we were learning from, from dads or from uncles that yeah. were teaching us how to hunt how to fish, how to do all these things out, outdoors. Now a kid learns his experiences on an iPad yep. sitting in the living room mm-hmm. and that they rarely have these outdoor experiences where they actually get to experience life. And when it happens, when something happens bad, um, they're able to deal with it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, what, what are you doing with your, are you doing anything with your kids? Yeah. Now? I mean, j- we're, we're taking our kids up, uh, up North and, uh, um, in-laws have a little place up in Payson, which is hour and a half away, you know, from Phoenix. And, uh, a uh, whole different landscape, you know, and so it's beautiful. We, yeah, we're, it's amazing, man. We're yeah. taking them up and um, taking them fishing, and there's some cattle that need to be kind of processed and stuff like that. So they'll help uh, 
process meeting, just, you know, some shots and stuff. And they'll be involved in that. And then uh, we'll do some shooting and stuff like that and just have them be around. Because that's how I grew up, right? And, and hunting and, and, like I said, whether you agree with hunting or not, you know, my myself, our whole family went. My, my grandfather, my uncle, my dad, my cousins. And like you said, they were teaching us and we were having fun and bonding and all that. And it wasn't... I can give two shits if we are actually hunting. Yeah, you know, it's an overall experience. Overall with the experience, yeah. you know, and so I try to do that with my kids as much as possible, you know, and and yeah, you're gonna have, you're gonna have them on their iPad or whatever. It's gonna be. I have three kids. It's six, five, and three, nice. and so the iPad is our babysitter at for an hour if we <laughs> yeah. need to get something yeah. done or whatever, you know. But yep. I, you're right. I, I, we try to actively get back to you know, how I grew up or how my wife grew up where you didn't have the iPad. You, you got out and, you know, messed around on a four wither or you did, you know, played in the irrigation or did whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Everything within reason. I think like, like you're saying, give it to them for an hour or whatever. while Mm -hmm. let the parents do their thing for a little bit, eat dinner and conversate and then go back to having fun. Or do that, do that other thing. Yeah. You know, that's how, those, that's how those three kids. I happen, don't get bro. it. Yeah. <laughs> no, we'll be like Mike's a virgin. So. Yeah. <laughs> They'll be like, "Hey, uh, mom, dad." I'm like, "Hey, we got to do a conference call real quick. <laughs> we got to make the bed. we'll make up the we got to make the bullshit excuses. <laughs> that conference call, yeah. a video we're, conference call. We're gonna shower. They're like, "Oh, you don't hear the shower, man? <laughs> I'm about to get in." <laughs> that's hey, so awesome, honey. We need to make the bed right now. Dude, I made the bed like to get Again. up here. Why is it taking so long <laughs> to make the bed? You like, um, dude, you like don't get it. <laughs> for uh, for hunting wise, what? So you you're you grew up hunting and you're yeah. uh, hunting now. I know it's a controversial subject, but who gives a fuck? fuck. Yeah, I, that you know what boggles my mind is you know you hear all these people who are talking about you know they're all against hunting. But they're all about going in the grocery store and getting all their shit. Buying you some steak. We did, I mean we did a post the other day. Where it was like something because we have uh, uh, Jim Shockey on the podcast on the fir- on August first, you know Jim Shockey's yeah. controversial in some circles and and in most circles that are outside of hunting, um, and he just killed a what was it a bobcat, bobcat. not a bobcat or mountain lion? No, no, no. I thought it was it was, bobcat. I thought it was a bobcat. It was a big ass bobcat. No, no I, Maybe it was I like a puma. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was like a hundred pound cat that yeah. attacked him and he wound up smoking it. But we we did some kind of post and some dudes like. You fucking hunters, you make me sick. And I'm like, dude, what? Like, if you're a naturalist, if uh, which I'm assuming that most of these people think they are, I would think that you would want to source your own meat, want to be in the outdoors, want to be hunting, as opposed to just processing and supporting a fucking factory farm that does that shit. Cougar. Cougar. Yeah, Close. mountain lion, Close. puma, cougar. Close. Close. Puma, whatever. whatever. House cat. Big cat. cat. Big cat. Whatever. whatever. Yeah, no, yeah, 100%. You know, and... and it gets to the point where I don't like. I enjoy outdoors. I enjoy hunting, and I enjoy the the other side of it. That's where I get to get away, and, and you're in the whatever it is, desert, woods, you know, marsh, wherever you're hunting, um, and that whole experience of of getting excited, prepared, and going out there. And sometimes you don't see shit, you know. But um, yeah, for me, it's it's always been a part of my life. But it, social media wise, I, I never post. Hunting pictures. hunting pictures because I don't. You get the backlash. You just want just, the drama. Yeah, the drama. I don't even yeah. want to deal with it. Right. Yeah. Wasn't it Matt Hughes recently like 
a couple of years ago. He got like destroyed yeah. from posting something. You know, like Chad Mendez yeah. is, you know, that's what he does. He has Chad's a, out, a big hunter. Has yeah, an outfit, you know, and all yeah. that. And he posts all the time. And if you look at his comments, oh, dude, it's insane. You know, he's hunting. You know, he's going to post pictures of him hunting, yep. and he still gets murdered on those comments. You know, it's just. And in the U.S. has one of the best systems in the world as far as managing the wildlife. Absolutely. You know that. Why do you think yeah. everything is flourishing? And I'm not saying everything, but you know it, it's ran very well. You know, and uh, you know I recently took up bow hunting. I hunted, hunted with a rifle my whole life, and I moved down to Arizona and not knowing the place, you know, and, and whatnot. Um, you, there's over the counter gear tags here, and so yep. we'll go out bow hunting, and it's it's challenge, you know, super challenging. Yeah, and we'll go up in uh, Prescott area where yep. aren't you guys going up there? They're moving yeah. soon or yep. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we just at. landed. Yep. We just landed. We just got there a few days ago, but. We actually just went to was it Bass Pro yesterday? Yeah, yeah. picked up a target uh, on sale target. It was missing an antler, but it was a it was a styrofoam target oh, for, yeah. for for bow. But that's I love I love the art of it, right? Yeah, it's, it's so a, fun. It's yeah, so fun, man. It's so technical, and it take you know I'm, I I shoot guns, I do all this stuff that's like this tactical stuff. But when I have a bow, it's like I could check out and just yeah. do do something that requires a lot of uh, of thought and a lot of you know concentration. But it's just like my own little spot, man, my yeah. own little place. That's why That's I like cool. it. It's cool as fuck. And, and for example, we were up in Prescott there, and, and uh, we glassed a, a really good buck. We're like, all right. I'm like, it's far. Probably a mile away. I'm like, I'll go try to sneak up on it. And, you know, he was sitting there glassing. And uh, I knew where it was, and you can use, like, the landmarkers and stuff like that. And I'm like, i got to be close here. And then I see the deer. I'm like, oh. And I, I – it was probably like a two-hour stock just to get there. Damn. And I was going slow. And I'm like, this is a big deer for the time, whatever. So I'm getting ready. All of a sudden, a jet flies by overhead. And I'm like, well, I was like, it could be good or bad. I can move when the jet comes yeah, yeah, and get yeah. a better shot. The deer just takes, looks up and takes off right when it's so two hours, two and a half hours just blown. I got to get up and walk <laughs> back. And that's that's archery hunting though, and oh, that's is. a challenge, and it's it's fun. And people think, oh, you're just going out. Yes, and I do get that. You know, with, with the with my rifle, I can hit a deer at 800 yards, yeah, and pretty not easily, but pretty easily, yeah. And I get that, you know. Yeah. But and and but to to archery hunt, and I have a uh, elk tag coming up in September. It's just a whole nother level. Oh yeah, you know. So and I and I get the compound bows are pretty badass today, but you you have to get in within 60 yards. You know, yeah, some people can shoot further, but still to be ethical and all that. Um, so it's not it's not easy at all. Hell no, it's it's an art form too, man. It's a, what I like about bow hunting is it's so technical. There's so many components. It's almost like you know you could equate it to fighting or operations. Like you have all these individual skill sets yeah. that you have to master, and then each one of them brought together in a culmination. Like when you when you go out and you actually experience the whole hunt. It, you see the results of all the things that you you failed to do or prepare yeah. in immediately. Yeah. I mean, immediately. It's all yeah, exactly. A You're, lot of patience. A lot of yeah. patience. I love it, man. It makes me slow down too because I'm like we were talking about. I'm go go go, and I like that aspect, you know, of it. And so it makes me slow down and and uh, get into uh, a mode where I'm not really used to. Yeah, you know, I like un- it. Uncomfortable. I, yeah, and I've gotten better too because I'll in be a good like, way. Back in the day, I would glass and be like, 
nope, nothing here. Let's go move <laughs> on to the next one. And now you're Done. picking apart everything, and you're like, yeah. oh, I think I see a little antler. Oh, yep, there's yeah. an ear. Oh, oh. you know. Well, and, awesome. the, and the aspect that you were talking about, where it's if you don't get anything, you still had a great time with all your with all oh, your yeah. buddies or your family or whoever man. you're with. It was an just experience. Yep. Yeah. yeah, just chalk it up in the rolodex, man. Like a good camping session, really. Hundred yeah. percent. Let's the uh, let's end off with uh, sustain and improve. Like if let tell me something. Like right now that you ha- that you're doing right. What what do you, what's what's your strength? What's a sustain right now for you in your life? Um, I think going back to being consistent, you know, and and that's uh, that's with everything. That's with family, um, kids, uh, your work, your training. Um, you know, uh, family wise is is you know being there for them. Not you know, and I go and I go through a lot of stuff with mood wise with training camp and stuff. And so I try to be consistent as far as I check out and I'm the father or husband when it's time to do that. And then I check in when it's at the gym and in, in time to rock and roll there. And, uh, for me, it's just, it's been a part of my life and people always ask me they they want to be a UFC fighter. And you're like, how do I get in the UFC? Well, what's your background? Nothing. I'm like, well, that's, you can do it. You got to start somewhere though. But yeah, yeah. you got to start somewhere. Right. But that's fine. Um, you know, and if they have a great, great background, like a wrestler, like, okay, building blocks there, it's being consistent and going in the gym and putting your time in. There's nothing else. That, I can't give you a pill. Yeah. You know, you got to put your time in and I put my time in. I put my time in since I was seven years old. That's what people don't realize. Like, oh yeah, you just got in the UFC and started fighting. No, I wrestled since I was seven, wrestled at the highest level, you know, D1 college, two time all American went in and started training after and put good, a good 10 plus years in to where I'm at now, you know, and that's making hundred bucks for a fight. I fought for free in a barn and globe. I fought in a, uh, bullfighting ring in Mexico with Kane Velasquez and CB Dalloway, you know, two of my, uh, wrestling teammates or, you know, Kane was a heavyweight UFC champion of the world, you know, and that's where we you have to start. Yeah. And so people don't see that behind the scenes or, what went into it, you know? And so being consistent is my, is my, uh, is my thing, you know, going out there, showing up every day and putting in the work. Cause I have guys that want to be there, but they put three days in a week where you need to put five or six a week, Yeah, you know? And, uh, I think that's the biggest thing is, is that. And then, uh, just my mentality, I just want to be whatever I'm doing. I want to be the hardest worker at that and throw everything at it. And if I, if I'm not, I shouldn't be doing it. You've always been awesome. consistent in that aspect of keeping the same crew around you, too. Like, good dude, keeping good dudes around you. Like Jason you Gaines are the company you keep. Has been, yep. has been with you since the beginning. 100%. And, that, and that's a, you, like you, you nailed massive. it there. Um, as far as you go to a fight, there, you know, everybody's like, oh, congratulations to you, right? But it's the people around you. It's, oh, yeah. Like he's saying, it's your Jason, yeah. Jair, you know, the people that have been around you that have put just as much time into it as you yeah. have. You know, your, your family, your wife, yeah. and, and, you know, and yeah. that's the team aspect of it, which is cool. What's your, what's your improve? If you have to name something up to this point that you need to work on, uh, what is it? I'm always working on my mentality and getting stronger mentally to the point where I'm, I feel like I'm invincible. You know, that's where I want to be. Um, but I think that's my, my biggest thing, and, and I've, I've improved that so much over the last three years, so I see improvement there. Um, but I think that's where really everybody needs to improve. And that's where I need to improve the most physically. I've been there, done that, but 
mentally I want to keep getting better and better. That's a work in progress. That's like an everyday Believe process. Believe in myself, right? the, whole, yeah, yeah. the whole deal. You know, we, when we teach survival, there's a couple of things that we teach that we're like, you know, people are like philosophical about what you should do when it comes to mindset. But we teach people that, hey, you know, whether it's breathing, you know, lead, lending itself to opening your consciousness or, you know, the affirmation, telling yourself you're the fucking best. Yeah. You know, Navy SEALs are good at telling themselves they're the best. <laughs> <laughs> they're fucking arrogant as fuck. But there's something to that, which is, hey, when you tell yourself you're the best, you're you're developing this rigid mindset of there is no other option. And if they, and then if you put in the hard work, like you said, of of backing that up, because you're mentally telling yourself you're the best mm-hmm. and you understand conceptually to be the best, you gotta put in the work, what you're doing then you wind up being the best. You wind yeah. up being a Ryan Bader on top. Oh, I appreciate it. If you put yourself up there, you, you know, you have nothing to do but to fall. So you you have to you, you have to perform and how do you perform best is you gotta put the work in. I love that man. Rise to that occasion. I love that. Well thanks for being on the oh, podcast awesome. today, Thank Ryan. You. I appreciate it, man. It's it's rare and few and far between because you are the numero uno first first one that we had, the first fighter that we had on and uh, I learned a lot on the podcast, and I appreciate it. Uh, I'm honored to be here, you know, with uh, guys like both of you guys, you know, coming from the law enforcement background and, and obviously in what you do in special operations and, and all that is, um, you know, I want to thank you and, and uh, people you've been around. You know, it's, uh, I think it, it inspires guys like us that we've been an athlete our whole life and doing this that um, potentially, like, w- if we went a different route, we could potentially be in what you're what you're doing and you're doing what our we're doing you know and it, it's a it's a cool thing we'll to be around those guys class, you know yeah. and it's um i guess i think it's a, a different person that is in positions like that i think they migrate to those kind of things awesome so, yeah pleasure yeah thanks man 